Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello again, everybody. I'm Connor Clancy. Kev Fogzelski's still here. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. How you doing? Um, I'm all right. Why are we here? Uh, because of a virus that sprung up, we think, from Asia and has left us having games every three days. <laughs> yeah, um, I did mean because we're recording the fourth Italian football podcast, but uh, oh well, you're not much of a host. Um yeah, but we are back again. Vito Doria isn't here, as tends to be the way now, I think. I, I can't really keep up, but I don't think he was here last Thursday evening either. Um, hello, Vito. I'm sure you're listening. We we miss you greatly, as always. Um, Kev probably misses you more than I do, as that seemed to be the case last time. Kev, is, um, is there anything you'd like to, to say to Mr. Doria? Uh, no, just send him my best wishes. I'm sure he's thinking of us. Wherever he's always it. thinking of us, I think, isn't he? I'd like to think so. Right, so there was another round of Serie A. And looking at the table, I mean, Juventus are top. Fall or bottom. Nothing's really changed in between since we last spoke. So I suppose we could just go through the results on a game-by-game basis. We'll start with... Um, one of the most, probably the most entertaining game of the round, which was Juve going to a club that someone on this podcast said should always be watched in Sassuolo. And Sassuolo came from 2-0 behind to go 3-2 up and ended up drawing 3-3. Ah, Kev, more question marks over Juve. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it was um, it was crucial that, that, that Spau... Uh, Spau. I've just watched Spal. That Sassuolo got the, uh, you know, the goal back. I think there was there were some chances for Juve to sort of go free ahead, and I think that actually might have just changed the complexion of the game, um, and we wouldn't have seen the sort of free free. But um, yeah, Juve after um, 
impressing me somewhat a couple of weeks ago. Um, with look, you know, looking a little bit more determined to get through these final few weeks and uh, actually take the uh, take the take the toy to win style as opposed to kind of just having it handed to them because of uh, being sort of too far away from the others chasing. Um, they sort of showed signs of weakness once again. They are just going to stumble over the line, aren't they? Like that one of the pieces that went up on Forza Italian Football today was saying that they're they're stumbling and they're just going to win the league by default more than anything else. And I mean, they've not really been great champions to be, have they? No, I don't think we should um, sort of bag this up with the coronavirus or you know the, the you know the post lockdown having an effect because they were kind of doing that before this all came about. Um, maybe they just got themselves just far enough ahead. And obviously then we had um, what is looking like Lazio's spectacular collapse, which is um, giving them just enough breathing space to pick up enough points and, and, and take the title. Yeah, well, you said to me off air that Lazio are managing to come forth in a two-horse race, which sums up their collapse. I, I mean, it's been remarkable. They've, they've lost more games, I think twice as many games since we've returned as they had done all season, probably even more than twice as many. But th- their latest slip came at Udinese, which is just unforgivable. And that's the type of thing that even when Juve are playing poorly, they don't lose games. You know, they'll they'll disappoint and draw. I know they lost to Milan, like, what seems like a month ago, but it was just a week ago, I think. But they, they know... <laughs> I'm not going to say they know what games they can lose, but they tend to not lose enough games to ever really risk losing the title. And so it's proven again. I mean, you, you look at the table, they've lost as many games as Inter this season. Inter, who are somehow second again. I, I don't really know how that's happened. Atalanta have only lost one more than them. But Lazio have lost six games and their collapse has been quite remarkable. Yeah, I, I think Inter... Inter. Oh God, I'm going to do this all evening. Are you okay? Uh, well, it's been a long day. Um, I think I think you they have seemed to sort of get themselves over the line. Um, you know when probably I was going to call them lesser sides would draw. Um, Lazio, I touched on it last week, where when they're they're late in games and it just looks like they're panicking. Um, I watched the the ninety minutes against Udinese today, knowing the result and. They were just really wasteful, and it wasn't even late in the game. There was probably two or three efforts from um, Luis Alberto within the first half, where he just sort of seemed to be devoid of ideas and just shooting from distance and sent them closer to the the corner flag than the uh, than the goal. I'm just looking at online at the moment, and Sports Media Set are reporting that Andrea Pirlo could be being lined up to replace Maurizio Sarri. Um, I mean, is is Sarri the problem? Like Vito was pointing out that Sarri's points return is actually, I think, similar or better to an, Antonio Conte and Massimiliano Allegri's first seasons in the job. Is it a case of Sarri just needs like to, to settle in a little bit more? It's not been an ideal first season. Um, Obviously, his style is quite particular. It takes a little bit of work to perfect. And if they get rid of him this summer, 
what happens next? I don't know. I, I, you know, I'd give him time, but then I'd give I'd give every manager a bit of time. Um, I think it's interesting. I think if you come into a side that is uh, expected to challenge but have got obvious deficiencies with the squad, then managers get a little bit of time. Whereas Juve have sort of just churned out this total after total after total. And it almost leaves the critics, supporters, um, looking for issues within the side. You know, I know we've sort of, we've spoken about how, um, you know, there's a lack of entertainment with the Juve side or, you know, they're just going through the motions at time, but they're still winning games. But there seems to be this um, willingness to sort of find faults within a team that's winning games. It's like, you know, there's plenty of sides out there that wouldn't mind to be playing like this and um, still have hopes of picking up a Champions League and likely to win the Scudetto. So he's not done a lot wrong. Are they not just winning because they've got Paolo Dybala though? I mean, if they didn't have him and Cristiano Ronaldo, would they be top of the league? Well, well, I think teams with um, the financial strength of Juve and the quality of players they've got will often win because of the, because of that quality that they can they can lean on. But then that's where you should be able to afford a coach time um, without sort of losing your position in the league. Um, if, if their actual aim is to to provide more entertaining football, I mean, you know, I've said it before, going to, to the Juventus Stadium, everything seems driven at trying to get more people through the doors or customers because you do feel very much like a customer. Mm. Um, so they, they, they want a, a different style of football than was being played under Allegri. And while you're still winning... And having these teething problems under Sari, you, you've got to allow him the time to, to hopefully provide some more entertaining football, but continue to pick up trophies. When Juventus inevitably don't win <laughs> the title, because, I mean, it's bound to happen in the next few years, right? With, with Inter improving, um, who knows what Lazio and Atalanta will do next year. But there's bound to be a season where Juve don't win the, the Scudetto. And, what do you think happens after that? Do they just kind of hit reset, start from scratch and, and go again? Or could the first time they don't win the title spell something of a dry run for them? I don't think we'll see a dry run. I think in modern football, um, teams are too financially strong for that to happen. I think with, with Juve, I think we all expected... Um, I was going to call it a blip, but that they they might have struggled when they lost. Um, was it Pogba, Pirlo, and Vidal all in one summer? Yeah. And actually, they came back really strongly from that. But I think that was the result of having the the you know the basis of the defence that they had there. So you know, if if you're not conceding goals, and you can generally work around what you've got attacking wise to build another side. Whereas it feels now as though there are, you know, even the, the exceptional talents they have in, in the likes of Ronaldo, um, Higuain who pops up with the old, with the odd goal, they're aging. That old, that old rear guard that they've had is coming to, you know, most of it's gone now and it's coming to the end of its sort of cycle. 
And unlike when uh, Pogba, Pirlo, etc. left, there was nobody really challenging. I think we spoke of Atalanta, if they sort of just maintain this this level of consistency in this form, which they've done for, for nearly two seasons. If Lazio can get the, what looks like um, sort of an issue with just belief in themselves or, you know, get over this collapse and with Inter getting stronger, then they actually might have somebody challenging them this time as opposed to last time when they they just continued to to storm through Syria. Yeah, well, Inter are now second on 71.6 behind Juve and they won 4-0 at Spal on Thursday evening. But, I mean, it's, it's an all almost already relegated Spal side and I suppose the big talking point from this game other than the fact that Antonio Kondreva, Cristiano Berraghi and Roberto Gagliardini all scored in the same game was that Alexis Sanchez who you could make the case has been Inter's best player since the restart he, he did it again he probably put in a, a shift that was worthy of consideration for player of the week yeah, absolutely. He put a he put a, an amazing shift in um, right from the first whistle. He was dispossess, dispossessing players when they, they probably weren't you know expecting someone to go at them at that speed. Um, and, and probably the way Inter have played as a team, um, he's been the standout in the last couple of weeks because um, they've looked like they have sort of been coasting to a certain extent. Probably thinking that they've got a, a better chance of. Uh, winning a trophy in the Europa League, but they now find themselves six points behind Juve. Um, and he deserved his goal. I was quite pleased for him to get the goal. I don't say that about many ex-Manchester United players, um, but but he, he fully deserved it. And he's he's he may be, he's maybe used the break. Um, I've seen plenty of articles where people have referenced the sort of the year after year um, amount of games he's had to play going away with Chile for the Copper. Copper America. Mm. See that the uh, the break's done him done him good, and it's the first proper break he's probably had from from playing competitive games. And if he's now feeling really good in his body and knowing he's probably only got a a few years left at the the very top, he's um, deciding to show the world what he can do. Particularly as you probably assume that Inter might not be able to get the finances to take him permanently off of. Um, Manchester United's hands, so he might be trying to put himself in the shop window. Yeah, you'd imagine that Inter won't be paying the money that it'll take to keep him. Looking at Juve's fixtures, right, they've got Lazio still to play, Udinese, who keep more clean sheets than anyone. They don't score all that many, but they keep clean sheets. And they've still got Roma, um, Sampdoria and Cagliari as well, who you'll probably expect them to pick up six points against. Is there a way that the way Juve are playing, the, the door could reopen for Inter? Um, there is. Um, I kind of thought that both Atalanta and Sassuolo would have had to defeat Juve for it to let any of the other sides in, you know, um, because you've got to look at the form of Lazio and think that they're they're not going to take anything off of, off of Juve and expect really the the last games, even playing Roma, to. To pick up pick up the you know the average number of points that they've been getting now over those games and just just not drop enough points in this last um, we on five games now Connor are we on six at <laughs> um, five games I was just trying to count to be honest as five, you said five more games there how many 
Uh, five, isn't it? There Fair. are five, yeah. I thought you said four, and I was very worried. No, um, no. But yeah, but Juve have taken just two points from the last nine. They've blown a two-goal lead twice, and in the other game, they had to score two penalties to draw with Atalanta at home. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Like Lazio are going to want to put it up to Juve. Even if they can't win the league anymore, they're going to want to like go down fighting. And I think they'll just save up all of the anger they've built up in the last month, or however long it's been since the restart. And just really put it up to them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lazio come back from Turin with all three points, you know. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I feel the same, that they're probably the frustrations that have built up from, from having this kind of collapse. Um, will go a long way to um, fueling that determination to get three points, providing that anger doesn't um, sort of result in moments of madness. You know, like with people really, biting players. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe not as extreme as biting people, but um, you know, someone going and getting themselves rashly sent off in sort of the opening thirty minutes, and then you they sort of just grinding them down through fitness and. Um, additional number of, number of players and things, but we will see. In the game that kicked the, the whole round off, Atalanta played Brescia in the Lombardi derby, and it finished, <laughs> obviously. Atalanta scored six goals, because that's just what they do. Uh, a bit disappointed they didn't hit seven or eight, but it finished 6-2. Mario Pashalik got a hat-trick. Malinowski scored another goal from outside of the box, because that's all he's capable of. Um kind of just business as usual for Atalanta in the derby yeah I think it it shows how how well Atalanta are going at the moment shows how bad pressure are um, add to that that Gomez was rested um, didn't even <laughs> and need Ilicic. yeah Ilicic has, has, has been in and out of the side or maybe he's just not I've not seen him Sort of do uh, he, he's been injured. He, he picked up an injury just after the break. And um, he's basically got a really, really strange physique, which is that he has to be managed so, so carefully. Like all of the players and staff in, at Atalanta call him the grandmother. Like, <laughs> because he just has to be treated like a grandmother, the way his posture is and everything. He's just really, really strange. Um, so he has been not playing whenever it's possible to not play him. Um, so him and Papu both just sat on the bench laughing the other night, which was quite strange to see. I think they got so far ahead in this game, I started turning my attention to Champions League and then just worrying that maybe when you get into the latter stages, um, although they've got a, they've got they're on the the more favourable side of the draw, um, whether you would face a side that would punish them for them for the amount of times they gave the ball uh, to Brescia. Mm. Um, but it but... was effectively the B team. Like They made mm. seven changes to the 11. And then they gave debuts to Sibora and Bellanova. Roberto Piccoli got his first Serie A minutes of the season. Ebri Macaulay played the entire of the second half, teenager as well. And Francesco Rossi, the third-choice goalkeeper came on as a substitute in the second half as well, which is something that Atalanta did last year too. I remember 
Rossi came on for Golini late in a game at the end of last season. And Golini was just cracking up laughing as if it was the funniest thing that's ever happened because he was a goalkeeper being replaced. And Marco Sportiello started in goal on Tuesday and Rossi came on for him. And you could just see Golini on the bench, like giving everyone a thumbs up. Like, yeah, I love when this happens. Um, you don't see third-choice goalkeepers make substitute appearances for no reason. Um, but Gasparini made the point afterwards that Rossi's been really committed to Atalanta and the whole time he's been there. He's, he's never really kicked up a fuss. He's, he's 29 now, so he seems quite happy to just play that third goalkeeper role. And Gasp acknowledged it's quite a difficult um, role to play. And he's not a local guy, but he's from Northern Italy and he's never really had much of a career. He's been with Atalanta since 2009, but has been loaned out for the best part of the decade. And I think he's made two Atalanta appearances, maybe three or four, but I'm pretty sure his combined career appearances are, are less than 100 or around that, which is strange. It's nice to see him get a run out. He's probably got 10 years left in him still. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if he's playing this role, getting three minutes a season, he's got another 30 years in him. He can play until he passes away. It's great. It's great. But, I mean, is there anything to say about Atalanta? They beat Brescia? No, not that we haven't eulogized no. over before. No. One thing that I, I do want to point people's attention to is the, the piece I wrote afterwards because obviously the Lombardi derby is one of the most fiercely contested in Italy. I mean, the, the rivalry between Brescia and Atalanta as cities dates back almost a thousand years. So it, it's one that's always been very keenly felt. Like the people in those cities and provinces do not like each other. And that goes far beyond football. So it was quite exciting when Brescia got promoted again this year, but because Atalanta were protesting at around the time of the first derby, the, the fans didn't travel. So there were, I think, 26 away fans in the away end that day. Um, they just didn't travel. The, the rest of the supporters stood in solidarity with the Ultras' um, protests. And Gasparini said at the time that hopefully when we meet in Bergamo, the, the stands will be full. It will be both sets of fans there and it will be a proper derby, obviously. In, on the 30th of November, unable to predict what was coming. And the second derby was even more bizarre because there was obviously nobody there, um, barely even that many press. So quite a strange experience. And I, I think at this time, I mean, we've seen banners. I don't just want to recite the piece I wrote, but we, there were banners hung between across bridges between the two regions and just showing, like, it said, what was the message? It was, like, I don't know, divided in the stands, united in pain. And it, it was quite poignant. And, yeah, let, let's hope. You won't hear me say too many kind things about Brescia, but um, let's hope they do return to Serie A in the next couple of years and we get a proper Lombardi derby because I do think the, the fans on both sides would very much like that, especially with Atalanta being as dominant over their rivals as they are now. Atalanta would like the chance to really rub that in there in Brescia's faces in the stadium properly so um, yeah head over to the website and, and read what I wrote about that basically um, what else happened Kev to be honest I'm finding it hard to keep up with everything Milan won 
They did, didn't they? They came from behind again against Parma. Um, Jasmine Krotic scored what was only his second goal for Parma and his second in about three days. But Milan turned it around because Milan are good now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, it, it was different to their, it was different to their recent results where um, Roma, they sort of just stormed them second half or stormed them might be a dip, you know, overpowered them second half. Whereas this was a very even game, that only really Milan stood out for some, um, some some wonderful finishes from distance. Frank Kessie hitting one that wasn't quite the the screamer that the the commentary um, gave it, but Hakan uh, uh, uh low drive from distance was uh, impressive as, as well. Um, but I kind of came away feeling. Um, as I, I hadn't quite witnessed a, a sort of three-one uh, dominating display, display over Palmer, and probably either side would have been happy with a draw, draw or felt that a draw was. You think like Milan had twenty-two shots to Palmer's ten. Well, that's that's really strange because I kind of I did watch the game knowing the result um, this afternoon, and and it, and expected to. To maybe witness Milan having this all dominant display, and maybe I, I sort of took my eye off the ball because I knew the result. It's very difficult when you're watching something back, but um, it, it just maybe the, the game felt a little flat as well. So maybe that's that's a bit to do with the the lack of the lack of crowd in the stadium, but um, maybe some of those chances weren't necessarily clear cut. Yeah, I think Milan definitely had Donnarumma to thank for not going to 2-2 at one point. And beyond Frank Kessie and probably Chalinoglu, I mean, Milan weren't all that great, but they just got the points. But 
with this team, right? Because Pioli deserves the credit for them getting the results they're getting at the moment. And we've joked about Zlatan's self-love, but he has made a big difference. He has helped the, the players change their mentality. But when the next season starts in two months' time, Zlatan's not going to be there and Pioli's not going to be there. I mean, I'm just going to go back to basics and be crap for the first half of next season again. I'm I'm quite positive um, if it's... Has Ralph Ranjic been confirmed? Or has he been all but confirmed? Yeah. Um, because he seems to be one of these coaches that sets a side up to sort of function so it produces more than the sum of its parts. I think we've... Well, I've spoken at length about them having maybe... Europa League level players but there is you know with the very marginal gains they can sort of bridge that gap at least until maybe to maybe fourth in the Champions League um, and, and I think next season is going to be extremely unpredictable all across Europe where we've not really had a big enough um, sort of sample of fixtures to know if home advantage is sort of disappearing if um, sort of decisions, whether that be VAR or, or other sort of just a little decisions you get off the referees um, are affected by by not having the sort of sway of, of home support. And I think with it, with us unlikely to see the widespread return of, of fans into stadia, I think next year could be um, one where you might see an outlier suddenly come forward and, and break into those Champions League places and there is talent there even if I don't necessarily feel that it's it could compete in the Champions League but that gives you then the the basis to bring players in that want to play in the um, Europeans Premier competition So you think Milan are going to win the the league next season? No I, I think they could <laughs> I think they could make a considerable leap up into uh, the Champions League positions. Let's face it, with Lazio dropping like a stone at the moment, um, there's only, well, we were looking about 15 points between the two of them. It's not that big a gap. No, it's not really, is it? But I suppose Roma will be saying there's only 12 points and Napoli will be saying there's only 16 points as well. So all of those teams will be thinking the same as Milan. So uh, you might have a very competitive top seven next year. You don't know. Or it could be Juve boss the league and then the next six are very competitive, which is what we thought we were going to get this year, I think, at points. Uh, It probably looked like it was going to be Juve and Inter as the top two and then five competitive teams beneath that. But in, in reality, it's been the top four and then after that, it's been a bit of a mess, really, because we've even been talking about teams like Parma for Europe at times this season. They're the 12th. It just shows how jumbled everything beneath that is. It changes so, so quickly. But moving on, anyway. Get down to the bottom, shall we? Because Lecce lost 3-1 to Fiorentina, which you really can't be affording if you're trying to survive in Serie A. Fortunately for them, Genoa also lost against Torino. So they were handed a little bit of a lifeline, but Lecce is still a point behind Genoa, and it does very much look increasingly like it is just the two of them battling for that final spot, or to avoid that final spot, rather. 
Yeah, I think it is now. I know Udinese only picked up a point against Lazio, but even 36, as sad as that sounds, could be enough to to keep them up. I don't, I don't really see Lecce picking up sort of even half of the points available to them now. Um, it's interesting. You've got Genoa there, and you know I've mentioned before that they've got the. Um, the, the derby coming up against Sampdoria and they would love to defeat them and have Lecce. It, it's all about whether Lecce can get above Genoa, really. Um, I don't think they'll get anywhere near Udinese. So it means that there's going to be a lot riding on that when the, the two sides um, meet. And for me, it kind of signifies where Genoa are because they've, they've had the, you know, I, I I compare them to Samp so much given the positions that they're in, not just uh, in the league or geographically, but they, they've got goals from far more areas of the pitch that's allowed them sort of to jump to sort of 38 points in the last couple of weeks. Whereas Genoa, apart from the short time they had Piontek, probably for two or three seasons of just, look so blunt in attack they're they're always sort of running the risk of, of, of relegation and um, we spoke about Pandev's experience and that might help them get over the line this this season but you wouldn't be surprised if Lecce just about managed to outscore them and pick up the points to leapfrog them. Kev some news you might be happy about although I'm not so sure because Roma played at home to Verona and they wore their blue shirt I think it was the blue shirt they yeah they were the blue shirt despite Verona not wearing colors that required that um but Roma have announced a premature end to their contract with Nike so will they feel less pressure to show off these other shirts in the future whoever they team up with I hadn't seen that because I'd seen some uh either they're either concept kits or what I was assuming were leaked kits um, for next season, it's an interesting time to announce that they've uh, ended that association. I, I I get, as you well know, quite irate with teams changing their colours, even if they're away from home and there isn't a, a, a kit clash. I know it's all done for commercial reasons, and I'm led to believe actually the dark blue strip that they wore um, on yeah, Wednesday evening you know, actually sells very well. Mm. Um, it, it seems to have a bit of a cult following uh, online. Um, we also had Fiorentina on Wednesday night playing in blue. Against they wore Le- blue on Parma as well. And their blue shirt's so ridiculous because at times it looks purple. Like w- when the players start to sweat in it as well. So I didn't understand the logic behind that. The sheer number of kits Fiorentina have frustrate me. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But while we're on shirts and we're talking about Roma, I don't know if you've realised this, because I've realised that they've done this the last couple of years, whereas Lazio have brought out another home shirt mid-season. <laughs> did they do that this year? I have a feeling they, they first did it when they moved to the white with the um, the the sort of retro... Yeah, uh, the eagle. Eagle. Uh, and they did that mid-season. And then... Around Christmas time, it must have been. I thought, 
you know they've they've, tang- they've changed into this new shirt. What look at their home shirt at the start of this season? And well, they cha- is this year not? Did they do it for the a centenary or something this year? What they did it for this year? It probably was some far fetched excuse for bringing out another shirt. But I went onto their website before Christmas and they called it a second half season kit or shirt. You know, some that's probably some bizarre uh, Google translation of the the Roma club shop. And then found that they'd done it. They, they've done it at least two or three times in the last sort of half decade. Brought out different home shirts for the second half of the season. And I can't believe for one second that they're making hundreds of thousands of pounds off of this because you know very few fans you know will buy shirt after shirt after shirt and not given the cost they are these days. I remember Napoli used to be really bad for it because they used to do a really weird third shirt. Yeah. So like the camo one, or then the the multicolored camo one, and then the blue camo one. Twice and, a season. Yeah, so they'd play their home games in the second half of the season in their third shirt, um, and it does seem like teams are just following that trend because if the shirt sells well, like in the case of Roma, similar to the Napoli one where they just go with it. I'm not as angry about it as you are. I'm not. It annoys me, I think. Um, yeah, okay, so it annoys me. But while we're on shirts, if you know you've got me on my um, Grandpa Simpson shouting at clouds moment, uh, it's not quite a vin- veto vent. But um, oh, did, did they announced this week uh, a sort of bringing in like a uniform uh numbers you know a font for the numbers which the premier league did back in like 1998 or sometime yeah and they ran around yeah i i, I was a little disappointed i think actually i might have even seen you uh tweet someone's uh tweet that showed the num the new format with uh papu gomez's sort of the rear of the atalanta shirt mm. actually i quite like that that there's still that uh uniqueness of a, a shirt number you I know. like the personalised club numbers as well, to be honest with you. So it's a bit of a shame that they've taken so long to sort of jump on what other leagues have been doing. You know, we've we've had the, uh, if you like, the Syria uh, armband for some time now. It, you know, all, that, all... I was annoyed about that. I was annoyed about that more than the the numbers, to be honest. The armband thing was a shame because, because I support Atalanta as well. And Papu used to... I mean, his wife is a fashion designer and an architect, so she used to design a new armband for him every week. And mm. it was just quite a nice thing to look out for every Sunday. Obviously, they took that away. The Syria brand will be on everything eventually. But the thing about the the armband, there's no mention of Serie A on it. It just says Capitano. There, there's nothing else on it. So I don't know why they weren't allowing it. Fair enough. You're not allowed to put political statements on it. Okay. But, I mean, Papu's showing a picture of a PlayStation 1 with the Pez like, team lineup. <laughs> what, what's the issue with that? Mm. And messages saying Happy Halloween and stuff. Like, it's poor. Poor. And that also delivered a golden moment, which was when Papu had an Argentina flag as his armband. And then he was replaced. So, Atalanta's vice-captain at the time, and still is, Rafael Toloi, a Brazilian. So... Rafa Deloitte was wearing the Argentinian armband and it was it was all jokes between him and Papu. It was a beautiful moment. But yeah, I don't like how universal it's all becoming. It's a bit disappointing. 
kind of takes away some of the little quirky elements that you can quite like about Serie A, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, other results. Not going to talk about them. Sampdoria beat Cagliari 3-0. Bologna drew at Napoli 1-1. Uh, Verona beat Roma. No, they didn't. Roma beat Verona in that game that we mentioned but didn't talk about. And that's it. We Oh, no, it's not it, is it? 3-0 beat Genoa. Oh, Andrea Bellotti. He scored in seven straight Serie A games now. And it should be eight, only for the wall that is Luigi Seppo saving his penalty against Parma. Yeah, I thought you were going to admit to not knowing that before we came on air and I'd then be forced to admit that I heard a commentator say it. But um, I think you I looked, know what you're talking about. You looked at the fixtures and I think um, we think he, he may well be able to take Quagliarella's record before the end of the season. So. Yeah, why not? Watch this space, Torino fans. Uh, yeah, because they've got a lot of dross coming up soon. So <laughs> there's every chance he could score in every game at the end of the season. And he's on pens. And you know what the handball rules are like? Just boot the ball at someone's hand and you'll get a penalty. So watch out for Andrea Bellotti. If he has the ball around the box in the next few weeks, he'll just be kicking it at people's hands. And he'll get the record. Which is held by who, Kevin? How many games is it? Uh, Eleven. Fabio Quagliarella and Mr. Battistuta? No. Oh, he's going to be oh, so offended. Oh, our friend Ronaldo. He Big equaled Chris. Big Chris, he did. But I don't know, did he get 13 or something? I, I think he stopped at 11. Yeah, I don't think he broke it, did he? I don't think so, but who cares except for him? <laughs> I don't care, do you? No, uh, it was I, nice when Qualiarella got it because he's an old man. Yeah, well, yeah, I I had uh, discussed with somebody records the other night, um, and unless a former footballer goes on to open a music store, I doubt any of them are ever asked to get their records out. Uh, it's all about medals, isn't it? I'm just gonna let that one sit there like a bad smell. Um, right, so this is Thursday night. Um, we're back on Monday night because we're going to wait until Lazio beat Juventus to do the next podcast because then we'll be talking about a title race, although Atalanta will lose at Verona and Inter will lose at Roma, so nothing is going to change. Well, I, th- I think it originally was a fixture we penciled in as yeah. a title decider how wrong yeah. we were. That was about a week ago. As well. <laughs> Two weeks ago, you know, let's... They've not nosedived that badly. <laughs> They've been nosediving for weeks. It's not. It's not. It's not seven days with which uh, Lazio's total challenge has crumbled. It has taken about two weeks. Um, but yeah. you squeezed probably about five games in um, in those in those two weeks. But... Yeah, exactly, exactly. There was some sort of reasoning behind it, but no, nah, it still has repercussions because if Lazio do win, and the other two teams win as well. It's not necessarily Lazio in the race, but the other two probably are. Um, but anyway, I'll see you again soon. Bye, everyone.
gioca Sassuolo che dà Siamo nuova luce che non morirà Il Sassuolo ci crede e nessuno potrà Toglierci la grinta per puntare più in là Nero sarà il cielo che vedrete voi Dopo aver provato tutto contro di noi Verde la speranza di restare su Perché se il gioco è duro noi colpiamo di più Nero verdi, nero verdi I colori di chi non si arrende mai Nero verdi, siamo forti, siamo noi Nero verdi, nero verdi Una voce dal cuore che griderà Sarà nostra la vittoria E se vi credete forti abbastanza Vi dimostreremo chi è che comanda Con noi qui davanti Passa nessuno, noi siamo il Sassuolo, il numero uno. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.